Snowball Spark. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. And good Monday morning out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the City on Sports, right here on 98.1 FM. The Sports Channel, we're hanging out at Big Splash Burger here on a Monday. Man, alive. I'm kind of a little disappointed that the, the show is starting. I've got this beautiful <laughs> sausage, egg, and cheese toaster sitting right in front of me. Um, be finishing that during the break, so I'm not going to eat that on air, Jared. <laughs> or if I just stop talking, you pick up the slack. I, I got you. And I'll... I'll Pop myself down a little bit while I'm... Uh, Just hit the I, red I, button. That's a mute button. You're good to go. I'm not going to chew it on the air. <laughs> Man, delicious. And of course, uh, I got the burrito again. Isn't that the thing? You can't go away from something. The first, You know, like, man, that burrito is so good. You're thinking about it all week. We're going to have to have a poll. Oh, a yeah? A poll on the text line. Because you have had the burrito. Yes. As we've been here. And the question posed to you today, as they were kind enough to fix us the food, was Jared... Would you like the burrito deep fried with gravy over the top of it? I've never heard of that. I haven't either, but when I heard that question. I didn't know how to answer it. When I heard that question, my mind immediately said, yes is the only possible answer to that (laughs) question, right? There is no other answer, but yes, I would love to have that burrito deep fried with gravy over the top of it. You said no. I think you're a little bit worried about it. Maybe the, the the sustenance slowing you down here on a Monday. I guess so. I I, I don't know what I was thinking. It was, I it's kind of. I felt is this a trick? Is it? <laughs> no, that sounds really good. Some would say you clearly weren't thinking. No, I just it was too early. I was like, no, no, what, no, what? Anyways, I have to try that next time because we'll be here next Monday. So it appears a bad choice on your part. In just, fact, just we'll, off the off the bat here. This was a good question uh, asked by me. Will we be here? Halloween Monday? It's the last Monday of October. Oh, that's a good question. I'll have to find that out. Yeah. We are here today. Big yep. Splash Burger. Stop by, hang out with us, get you some beautiful breakfast. 6.30 is when they open. Close at 2.30 for lunch. If you're already thinking about lunch, which I'm about halfway through breakfast, so that means it's time to kind of turn the page. <laughs> what are you eating next? Uh, the burgers here are fantastic. I've always been kind of a bacon cheeseburger guy myself. Uh, it's good if you're not inclined to to go with the burgers. I mean, one's got peanut butter on it. We've got a, one with an egg. We've got the boom boom sauce. If you want that on your burger, but if you're thinking, man, you know, maybe not a burger on a Monday. Combo Philly. It's got some chicken and it's got some steak with the cheese and the peppers and the onions. Oh, it's delicious here. Big Splash Burger, right across the street from uh, our studio on Pioneer here in Elk City. Try it. Coming up today, of course, it's Monday. We'll talk to Jim Traber at 9.30. Hang out with him uh, for the, the remainder of the hour. I'm sure he's got all kinds of thoughts on uh, what happened yesterday in the, in the NFL. Those two big games, one delivered all the way through. The other one got interesting in the fourth quarter uh, before that bugaboo of the Dallas defense popped up that we'll, uh, we'll tell you about. So we'll talk to him. I wonder if he's been watching any baseball at all. <clears throat> I don't know if he has. Uh, and then, of course, the, the incredible college football weekend. Oh, my gosh. It was one of the best college football weekends that I can remember in forever. Just the, the great games. It, uh, sometimes you get those weekends that, that have the good matchups. It doesn't live up to the hype. Boy, that was not this Saturday as those games went right down to the wire. 
Uh, I told you, Jared, the first time, three AP uh, top 25 matchups in which both teams scored over 40 points in the game. There's another stat about Tennessee that I'm kind of trying to dig up uh, after they, their win. So we'll talk OSU, talk OU. Uh, they were not on the national landscape, but got a much needed win. And then, of course, those big games and those exciting games. And guess what? The upcoming week is a good one as well, at least matchup-wise. Uh, we'll kind of start looking ahead to that. Uh, high school football, <clears throat> wrap up what happened last week, and then look ahead. Man, it's another big one for the Elk City Elks after uh, Friday's results with Weatherford top and cash. So you basically have a district championship game in some ways over there at Weatherford, uh, especially if the Elks are able to win. So we'll talk about that. Tulsa World Rankings are out. And then what are the scenarios that could, ha that could play out in uh, Class 4 A's? District 1. So that's what we've got on our mind this morning. Feel free to chime in. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. That's 225-9698. Give us a call. Shoot us a text. We can talk about any of those things, whatever else might be on your mind. You can feel free to chime in at 225-9698. If you're outside the listening area or going to be one of these days, you can stay in touch with us by logging on to kadsam.com or you can download the Paragon Communications app. Man, that app's got it all. Three radio stations, Penny News, Big Elk, and Paragon TV for the live video streaming of high school sports. All of that in one place at your fingertips there in that Paragon Communications app. And then also, um, if you miss our show entirely, you can go back, kadsam.com or iTunes. That's the way that you will be able to um, find a show that you might have missed. All right, Jared, how are you this morning? I'm fantastic. How's your weekend? Man, it was good. Well, we got to – there was a little baseball played here. It, it's just – it amazes me sitting out there yesterday with the rain. It wasn't heavy rain, but it was enough to where, you know, if it's not – if you're not on a turf field, you might have delays, mm -hmm. especially with what happened overnight more than more than anything. Right. With the amount of rain on Saturday night through through into Sunday morning. Not even a, not even a delay whatsoever. That's great. Just play on. And so that was good. It turned Saturday. nice towards the afternoon. Yeah, we were beat Late. out by then. Oh, by the time it got nice. We were sitting there in the, the mist and the cold. Yeah. It was one of those where you're like, way to go, guys. You played good. It's okay that you didn't hold on. Not really, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> you know how that is. Like, my feet are cold. Yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's wrap this deal up. <laughs> and so that's uh, unfortunately what happened. No, it was good. The, the terrace wedding was cool. It was beautiful. Um, it looked, yeah, I, seen, I saw pictures. It looked really nice. It was. I think they honestly lucked out, I guess, right before the rain. Did, yeah, and they, they were, beat the rain. They were way ahead. But it was, you could start, you could see as we were sitting there waiting on it to start, you could start seeing the clouds popping up to the north for sure. Um, and then after it was over, like I told you, I was going to go back and get my wife to go to the reception. And then we had the other things pop up and we didn't make it back. But it was one heck of a lightning show. On Saturday yeah. night, just yeah. a heck of a lightning show, and then of course the college football. Oh my gosh, that was if, if a, you were a couch potato and you had nothing else to do oh, man. on a Saturday. What a perfect Saturday for that to be the case for you. Did yeah. you sit there and watch game after game after game come down to the wire uh, throughout the Saturday? So I was, it, was, it was a great weekend. I was busy, but fortunately, I was busy around a TV, so I was able to, you know, have my eye on the U game and. And then when it went to the – after that game, turned it to Alabama-Tennessee. And um, um, 
on one TV, basically, and OSU on the other. And when I thought, well, OSU has this in hand, I kind of gave my full attention to Alabama, Tennessee, and I'm glad I did. That game was phenomenal. And I text my friends. I was like, man, this game, like I know, right? Overtime. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, and the other and then I'm, I realized, oh, OSU, and I, cause I checked, because they were up 14 in the fourth. I, they got this. And I saw they were going over. Actually, I, when I checked it, it was right start of the second overtime. So I switched over to that. Crazy games. And then, oh, by the way, an 18-inning baseball game yeah. occurred on Saturday. And uh, was it L.A. and San Diego went all the way to what, 1 a.m.? Uh, just a wall-to-wall day of sports on Saturday. It was awesome. Yeah, there's awesome. no doubt. That it. college football slate, I mean, if, you, if you're just a fan, I mean, how could you not be? It, it, the – the pageantry is still there. The the rivalries, the passion, it's all there. You still see it on display. It's so fun. So fun. Yeah, and it's a couple of places that have been good but haven't been good for a while, at least to the to the top. I mean, that that play Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee on Saturday was just a an absolute madhouse. You know what it reminded me of? The game and I mean maybe not as dramatic of a finish, but the implications of it. it remind me of OU Nebraska 2000. Yeah, a little bit. A team trying to come back and, and beating finally, a rival like yeah, that. They and, finally and, felt like they've gotten back. You know, and it was funny because I, I, I finished the OSU game, in my and then I was kind of ripping the TCU fans out loud to my wife, just giving my conscious uh, opinion, and I said, "See, they're they're rushing the field. That tells me." That they thought they ups. I mean, that that's how they think of OSU. Is like they're a team that you don't beat very often, and they did it, and they rushed the field. So that tells me they don't win a lot of games. And then a few minutes later, Tennessee wins, and my wife's like, "Well, what do you think of that?" I said, "Now this is a different scenario, and I'll tell you why. They were kings of college football way back when, and they've been fighting and clawing their way back. They've been trying to get back to the top, and they feel like they're back, and they did it against." one of the perennial contenders of college football in Alabama. So that's what, that's a perfect – I mean, it happened in a matter of, what, 20 minutes. So they're an example of when not to rush the field and how embarrassing it can look, in my mind, and then why you rush the field. I mean, worth, worth the SEC fine and, and tearing down the goalpost. Yeah, so, especially if you can get a GoFundMe started. What's going on there? Paid they about half af- of it. They can't afford. They've got billions of dollars in their endowment, and they're trying to raise money on GoFundMe. They to even pay had for the, the press smoking and, a cigar. Oh, and they yeah. said, "What do you think of that?" Goes, "Well worth it. We can. No worries. We'll take care of that." It's craziness. Um, I feel sorry for the grounds crew because they got to turn it around in a week. Next week, right? They play. Am I wrong? Yes. They yeah. Ended, they have a home game. They threw, I think they were, ended up throwing the, the goalpost into the river. Yeah. Yep. Hope, sure that doesn't, hope that doesn't mess with anybody's propeller next weekend. <laughs> Fall Nation. They might put a put a buoy out there. You know, here lies the goalpost and put a put a date on it. This is when it was thrown in the in the river. Oh, there you go. That's a good idea. All right, so question about – let's start with the – we'll skip the high school stuff because everybody wants to know. I mean, it's, with the college football weekend, that's what we're Well, we talked about the tech. high school stuff on Friday, right? Yeah, they now we know what the scenarios are, but we got plenty of time for yeah. that. Okay, so let's go to Oklahoma State and TCU. Oklahoma State started out what, – what a weird morning, uh, right? So watching – I was listening to the, to the pregame on the animal, kind of had um, game day on in the background. 
Yeah. And then kind of perusing the internet, and all of a sudden you start seeing these rumors about Spencer Sanders not playing. Is he playing? Is he not playing? Yeah, I saw a tweet. I'm like, what? They gave an injury <laughs> report of who's inactive, and then they said the most important thing, Spencer Sanders is active. And I thought it was like a joke. Well, it turns out he didn't even practice last week. His shoulder yeah, just, was hurting so bad. He yeah. didn't even practice last week, but he was always kind of set to play. And so it starts out early on. Oklahoma State just runs up and down the field. He, he's got two uh, rushing touchdowns in the first quarter, throws the one kind of to start the second quarter to Richardson, and it's 24-7. to seven, thinking, man, was that just a total ruse about his health? But the one, if you, if you watch that game, the one place where he missed throughout was short. It almost like his, his shoulder just wasn't quite mm. to the level that it was. But still, it's 24-7 in the second quarter. Oklahoma State's got a 14-point lead going into the fourth quarter, 30-16. to And then it was like the conservatism came about, especially on the offensive side for Oklahoma State. And so, it, and as they kind of played not to lose – TCU, you can you could almost see it. It was almost like a car wreck. Like you see it coming, but there's nothing you can do to stop it. And Mike Gundy even referenced it in the fourth quarter, um, in his post game that he he felt like they basically got out coached in the fourth quarter. This isn't the first time uh, that this criticism could be labeled on a Mike Gundy team of, of getting conservative, not you know kind of putting all your chips in the middle and going all in. I, I I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, he even agrees uh, that they got out coached. I would assume, you know, just for me, it'd be like, yeah, well, we kind of went into a shell. The interesting question to me is why? Why did they go into a shell? Was it Sanders' injury, or was it the history of Spencer Sanders with soul-crushing turnovers at the exact wrong time that they were trying to avoid in that fourth quarter? And if the answer to that is yes. How in the world do they still not trust a senior quarterback who coming into that game had been fantastic? I mean, the, the, the label of that was kind of off, right? Mm-hmm. He had 12 touchdowns, two picks. He had really done a great job managing the game, taking care of the football. He had done it down there through three quarters against TCU on the road in that environment. How do you still not trust that guy if the answer to my question was yes? It's a great question. Um Hopefully it was – I mean, it's a, in a weird way. You kind of hope it was the play calling and the conservatism of it all was because of an injury, you know, trying to protect your quarterback, not because you don't trust your quarterback. You right. hope it's that, but in a way – you know, in a weird way. You hope the injury is not severe or or <clears throat> uh, season-changing. But but if it's a trust thing, that's that's got to be a big red flag. And at what point does Gundy got to say, I got to trust this kid? If it, if it is that case, just, I mean, he, he's in the program long enough. He's kept the turnovers down, way down. Yeah, that's it, it's, way not, down. Like he, it's, it's not like he yeah. hasn't been completely improved this year. It's like Gundy's haunted by it, you know. A little bit. And, and <clears throat> so you see how that game unfolds, and you feel like, golly, we blew this thing. Or at least I would. You know, watching it, I felt, golly, Oklahoma State has blown this thing. I can't believe it's an overtime. And then the coin flip goes your way. TCU scores, you make the huge pass from, from Sanders to, to Braden Johnson on fourth and nine, get it in the end zone. At that point, on the road, feeling like you've been on the ropes anyway, how I, I, I got, I've got to go for two there and put it in Sanders' hands with some sort of run-pass option 
on the three-yard line, going for two, put it in my guy's hands to win it or lose it. Because at that point, it felt like Oklahoma State's defense was out of gas, like they were just reeling, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they they, they hadn't really stopped TCU in forever at that point. When you have that chance, man, for me – I've got to put the ball in Spencer Sanders' hands there to get three yards, two-point conversion, and win that game on the road. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So we'll see if – you know, you hate to say this when the coach has been there for so long, will he learn from it? But kind of setting his ways when it comes to stuff like that, the conservatism of it all. There's no doubt. I mean, Put that's, the foot on the throat and go. That's been a criticism of his in multiple Bedlam games right. where it feels like he kind of clams up and kind of goes into a shell. And I don't think there's any doubt that happened again on Saturday. Um, I would just love to know what the reason was. If it, if you want to use the injury, okay. Then I. But how much is it? Is the trust factor still limited with Spencer Sanders' history? And if it is still limited, then this is as good as it's going to get. Yeah. Because he is, uh, he, he has proven so far this season to be a better version of anything we've seen when it comes to taking care of the football at Oklahoma State. So if you're not going to trust this version of Spencer Sanders, then you might as well go some, you might as well just do something different or the expectations are going to have to come down because you, the, the way that you get to the promised land this season for Oklahoma State it's for Spencer Sanders to kind of take you there. It's clear that the defense isn't as good as it was last year. It's still pretty good. But that back end, you know, in the fourth quarter, it couldn't cover anybody. You know, they just kind of – the snowball got rolling. And the guy you have there to be able to, to keep that snowball up on the mountain is Sanders. And if you don't trust him enough to do that, then I'm afraid this isn't going to be the only time we're sitting here talking about a game that Oklahoma State probably should have won and didn't. On a Monday, always compared to relationships. If you don't trust you're, you don't trust somebody. You break it off. <laughs> and, and the problem and is, Gundy's they, got to get that he's got to, I guess, learn trust. You know, I think Sanders has done enough to earn his trust. You know, so Gundy's got to got to go. This is my guy. He's been in the system long enough. His his turnovers have been down this year. I I trust this kid to go and win this game. We're going to be aggressive here. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't think he would be faulted if he was if the way he if he lost this game still while still being aggressive. I don't think people would fault him for that. Do well, you? No, because if if you if you do trust him and it doesn't work, we're sitting here going, "Well, same old Spencer Sanders." Gundy's not being blamed at all, right? Well, yeah, he put his trust in his senior quarterback. I mean, the, the narrative is exactly the opposite. He put his he put his trust in his senior quarterback. Of course, he would. Uh, he's been really good. You know, this year he, he looks like it looked like he had, you know, righted the wrongs of the past from the from the turnover tra- aspect of the game, and he hasn't. Instead, it's the other way around. Right. Hanging out at Big Splash Burger here on Pioneer in Elk City. Stop by, hang out with us. It's just some delicious breakfast. I'm telling you, that breakfast toaster sandwich that I just had, fantastic. Sausage, egg, and cheese. Like yeah, a, you're eating that in a hurry too, and then yeah, I was trying to scarf it down time. <clears throat> before um, <laughs> kind of finish it off. Come see us, Evan in Montana, Chalina, everyone in here at Big Splash Burger. Really nice uh, for them to have us. Jared, before we get into the OU talk, 
I'm afraid we've got to we've got to take a gander at the Western Oklahoma Realty College Pick'em standings. We got some shake up at the top. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to take a look at that because after this week, oh dear. week number seven, here we go. When I look at the standings, well, who do I see at the top? <laughs> oh well, Skinny's picks. Oh, see now. Now is that me? Yeah, uh, that would be you. I think that's me. Someone's gonna cry foul. Skinny's someone, picks are number say, one. This is rigged. Oh, be darn! Can't win the prize. You know, <clears throat> turns out. This would be two straight contests that I've just hammered the listeners. Oh, Because in the bowl, the bowl pick'em one was just a runaway. That's right. Remember, I was like number, I was like in the top 20 nationally last year doing the bowl <laughs> pick'em. Thanks for the reminder. I just didn't know if anybody remembered that or not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, after this week, it, it was a rough week for a bunch of people except for Joe Buck yourself. Whoa. Joe Buck yourself was eight out of 10. To fly up the standings. Our man TJ, he's been obviously perturbed about the OSU loss. Three for ten. Game time was six for ten. That's pretty good. Andy Peffer, another under 500 week. Jared, under 500. Jared Keys, that is. Oh, yeah, well, you have to go to the next page to find Yeah, it would be Jared a little bit funny. Oh, there's Dakota. Oh, man, our, our man Coach, Coach Dustin, one for – a one for ten. Ah, hmm. oh, Jared Broadbent, a one for ten as well. So this is a rough week for for a lot of people. The the fifty fifty that I went actually improved my position by by a whole bunch. You were you were a two for Jared, two for ten. There I see you on the second page. See, I, I haven't given up, but I've given up. I'm still picking, but I'm just have no hope anymore. Well, the one thing about me is I'm a pretty good front runner. So you let I'm, me get too far out ahead. You never know. Thank you to Tyler Harrison, Robbie Allen, and all the gang at Western Oklahoma Realty. People property is their motto. Appreciate them hanging out with us this year on the college pick. And there's hot speaking to Tyler. Hottie Toddy, one game over 500, 35 and 34. All right, OU. Question on the text line was, is the quarterback that good or is Kansas' defense that bad? I think uh, Gabriel needs a lot of credit because, I mean, would he have been uh, the difference in the OU-Texas game? No, but would he have been the difference between not scoring and scoring? <laughs> Absolutely. He deserves a lot of credit. He looks sharp. Um, I don't know why he continues to think he needs to run and slide. I, <laughs> you think he'd learn his lesson, but he, he's still doing it. It's a part of his game. Um I don't know. I mean, uh, he looked really good and really sharp, but he had a lot of uh, components around him too that deserve a lot of credit. But it starts with him. It's clear he's a he's a good quarterback. We've always said he's a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. Uh, he's a really good quarterback, and and maybe that was a turning point. Uh, the injury at TCU, not playing at Texas, um, the tons of criticism coming in from everywhere about the program itself, even going into Levy. Maybe him and Lebby and, and Brent Venables, they all said, this is a game we just got to let it roll. And, and they did from the opening kickoff or from the opening drive um, all the way through. I was impressed with them. I, I don't know about Kansas' defense. I, I'm, I was, all we heard going into this game was their offense was pretty, pretty good. Their rush offense was really good. The rush defense was number one in the conference. Rush defense? Going into okay. that game. 
I, I kept focusing on the offense, and I kept wondering about Kansas' offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the quarterback out, but the other quarterback going in was was fairly good. And you pointed that out last week. You still stepped in and did a decent job uh, versus TCU. So um, I wasn't too, I wasn't really focusing in on Kansas's defense, but. I think that version of the offense is what for OU is what we were kind of expecting all season long, and that version of the defense too. Just you know, we, we kind of think I think we kind of had the idea of if OU's going to win games, you're going to they're just going to have to outscore opponents like they've have in the past until Venables can get that defense acclimated to how he wants it. But again, back to the question, I think Gabriel deserves a ton of credit how he played. I would a ton agree. of credit. I, I would agree. I, th- I think everything you said is about is right on. With him finishing the TCU game, playing the Texas game, Oklahoma still has the same amount of losses. It just probably isn't as ugly as what it turned out. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, the angst w- within the, the fan base and, and around the country about uh, Oklahoma and you know falling apart, pr- that, that narrative probably isn't quite as, as strong and as loud if he's able to play and make those games a little bit uh, closer, you know, you go back and look at that TCU game. The truth of it is, when he was in the game, he missed multiple shots for Oklahoma to be kind of in it when he went out. Right, I mean, behind for sure, but also you know in in the game as opposed to to the runaway that it was. And of course, against Texas, I mean, after uh, the Longhorns' defense got to see what Oklahoma was doing with that Wildcat. <clears throat> the formation uh, with Braden Willis, it was obvious that, <laughs> that Oklahoma and the passing game wasn't a thing. So just put everybody in the box, don't let them run it, and Oklahoma couldn't do anything that day down in the mm-hmm. Cotton Bowl. Gabriel changes that immensely. And another thing he does is having Gabriel's threat of the passing game and his ability to, to throw the football gets Oklahoma's best player involved. Targeted Marvin, Marvin Min 17 times. Well, that, that's what you do when you have a guy like that on the outside. Mm. You know, you look at the difference uh, in having Gabriel as a quarterback versus not from Texas to, to Kansas. And a big part of that was Mims was a focal point of the offensive attack from the word go. And, and that obviously is going to help out OU when it comes down. Uh, to, to be able to move the football and score points. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt Gabriel deserves a ton of credit. Levy had a great plan. Um, Teddy Lame and I was listening to him a bunch, just kind of going to and from the you know Wyatt's baseball games before I was able to sit down and watch. He mentioned that uh, every time Kansas had a single high safety, they went right to him. Yeah, I was every hearing, time. Yeah. You know, and it, they it were mentioning that on, I was driving that first half, and they they pointed that out too. Mm-hmm. So they're they're. They're exploiting that defense in that way. Yeah, yeah. As soon as as soon as they showed that look, it went right there. Now, <clears throat> I do think it resulted in the interception where Kansas kind of tricked him one time. But you know, at at the end of the day, OU rolls up over 700 yards, 50 points, and turned it over three times. That's what's pretty crazy. You know, that could have been an 800 yard day uh, if if yeah. Oklahoma doesn't turn it over. So it's a win. The, the it's team- a win they had to have. It's a win they needed. Sure, it is just Kansas, but this is the best Kansas team we've seen in a while, uh, just with with personnel sure. and, and the way that they yeah. played so far. Um, now you get a week off, then you go to Iowa State, who has played the best defense in the conference by far. So uh, early on, with the numbers they've been not that they haven't been allowing to some really good offenses. So that's a, that's another challenge uh, for Oklahoma. Maybe maybe more on the offensive side this time, as opposed to, to trying to stop high powered offense uh, defense trying to stop a high powered offense. Real, I know we got to get. 
go and get Jim on. But real quick, on the other side of the ball, the defense, the way that game kind of flowed, do you feel like they did enough to win and then took the foot off the gas or the pressure no, off? No, they're just not or very good. Is it just not good? They're just okay. not very good. But when your offense is something like that, all you have to do is make a couple of stops. I think they, they forced five punts and had two picks. Yeah. That's seven times. I mean, and, and that, that was a high, high possession game, more, more like it was back in the early 2010s in Big 12 defense. So I think when you look at their efficiency, yeah, they gave up 42. Yeah, they rolled up 430 yards. But, my gosh, Kansas had, what, 20 possessions? So you stop them on 35% of them, that's pretty good. You know, yeah. especially considering what we've been seeing lately. Uh, from that defense of Oklahoma. Yeah, you're right. Pleased to be joined now by the voice that you will hear right here on these airwaves at 2 o'clock this afternoon. It's the ultimate Jim Traber. Jim, how are you doing today? I'm good, fellas. Julie and I are on our way out to Elk City to have lunch with you guys today. Yeah, I can't wait. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we got the wives coming. And I, I know as much as excited as I was to have lunch with you the first time, uh, just speaking for my wife, she is incredibly excited uh, to be able uh, to, to meet Julie uh, today uh, for lunch. Well, y'all are definitely going to be meeting my better half by far. So, um, <laughs> And I know that you guys are bringing your better half, so that's good. We'll all just let them talk. And, um, it should be fun. But, I mean, yeah, I'm excited about coming out today. I'm going to be at Fair at Rob's Ranch. It's one of the great places. Uh, my man Jeremy Gray, as you guys know, is a great dude. And really, really excited about coming out. We started a little early because I didn't want to, like, you know, like walk around because I knew I had to get in the car. So I guess we'll take our time. Although I hardly ever take my time. <laughs> uh, there, there's all kinds of, there's some shoe shopping uh, that you guys can do once you get here. There you go. Something like that. Yeah. Julie's wondering if we get there early, if there's somewhere we can go in Elk City. Uh, no doubt. Downtown, uh, just kind of to the north of where we'll be eating. There's all kinds of nice little boutiques and yeah. shoe, uh, shoe shops and record a record, record shop. She, record. May, she may during my show come back to Elk City maybe and, uh, and go to those places. So yeah, we'll, I'm sure your wines will be able to tell her everything. Oh, oh yeah. absolutely. Pick uh, yourself up a Big Elk t-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very nice. Yeah, six and one Big Elks, number two and 4A this week in the uh, Tulsa World Rankings. So wow. they, they have to start the, start the bandwagon. Nice. <laughs> All right, Jim, uh, so let's go to Saturday. Uh, what an unbelievable day of college football, just, I mean, almost 12 hours straight from 11 o'clock all the way to 11, 11 p.m. Uh, with those yep. games littered throughout. Start down at T, uh, in uh, Fort, Fort Worth. Oklahoma State had control of that football game going into the fourth quarter, and the same kind of formula for them losing seemed to pop up, getting conservative on offense. The defense couldn't hold the lead. And next thing you know, by the time it was overtime, you really kind of felt OSU was on the wrong end of things. Just uh, what, what were your thoughts as far as the way that that game went down in Fort Worth on Saturday? Well, I thought, I thought they puked it down their leg, fellas. I mean, yeah. they were in unbelievable shape. They played a great football game. You know, let me tell you something. If there's a couple flaws, if there's a couple flaws in Mike Gundy as a coach, uh, this is one of them. He, he's done this before, as you just said. Get a lead and then suddenly go on a dang on tank. You can't do that, man. Whatever's working, keep going. What were they up? Twenty-four to seven, I believe. Yep. I mean, when you're up twenty-four to seven, fellas, you need to win the game. That's a bad loss. And TCU's now rolling. Heck, I mean, OSU probably would have moved up to number four in the country. And that that was a bad loss. I hope that you know they at the end of the year they don't look back on that and think, gosh, that's the loss that kept us out of something. 
but yeah, that that uh, my gosh, everything's rolling, and then you just you you dial it back, and that like I said, that is a flaw of Mike Gundy that he's done in the past in games, and you know now you're now you're fighting your tail off to try to get to Arlington. If that, like I said, whoever won that game, I said it last week, whoever won the game was going to have a tremendous head, you know, a a, a, a leg up on everybody else. And uh, now TCU has that leg, and now OSU, obviously this weekend, a must win. You have to be Texas this weekend. My question, uh, there's no doubt that they dialed it back. The interesting question to me is why. Was it Sanders' shoulder, or is it deeper than that to where they still don't have complete trust in Spencer Sanders because of the history that he has of just crushing turnovers at the wrong time throughout his career? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I know it's happened when it wasn't Spencer Sanders. That's true. It's very true. I mean, it's not just Spencer Sanders. This is, like I said, this is one of the things that he has done throughout his career at times. You, you, you know, look, if you're worried about his shoulder, um, you can do things. I mean, they played him, right? I guess he got shot up, would be my guess. Um, sometimes, you know, they'll shoot you back up at halftime. So if they did, I think the second half would be. You'd be fine. So I don't know. I don't know the excuses. I didn't even hear. Did anybody ask Mike Gundy? Because I know that people, are, you know, the people here in Oklahoma are the worst I've ever seen. They're just a bunch of sissies. You know, very rarely. I mean, I know Barry Trammell will ask the hard question, but nobody else will. So I'm wondering, did anybody say, Mike, why'd you, uh, you have 24 7, why'd you dial it back? Did uh, anybody ask him that? I did hear, I did hear Gundy uh, saying that. In his mind, they absolutely got outcoached in the fourth quarter and outschemed in the fourth quarter, and they've got to do a better job. Kind of the, uh, you know, the coach speak answer to, yeah, they, we didn't do the right things. Well, I mean, the old uh, outcoach thing is always interesting. Um, sometimes, you know what, when somebody outcoaches you, it's because you're not doing what you're supposed to do, and not because they're doing anything special. Right. But you can't. Man, momentum is a massive thing that can't be measured. I mean, they were killing Texas. They owned TCU. And then TCU got some confidence. And next thing you know, you know, we're going to overtime. So, I, like I said, fellas, I, I just, that's a shame because that is a game you've got to win. If you're the program that they want to be, and they're pretty, they are. I mean, it's a tremendous program. you got to win that game. You can't be up 24-7. to 7. I don't care if it's on the road or wherever it is. They blew the football game. It was a bad loss. And then let's go to overtime. The, the momentum is against you. And the, the coin toss works out perfectly. You get the fourth and nine on the pass to Johnson. Have a chance to win the game with a two-point conversion, in my mind. you on the road in a game that it feels like slipping away anyhow. For me, I've got to put the ball in Sanders' hands, give him a run-pass option down on the three-yard line to win the game. Totally agree with you. I totally agree. Why do you want to keep going to overtime when you're playing against a team that is that has the momentum and they're at home? I, I just you got to go for it. Look what uh, look what Utah did against USC. Mm-hmm. I I was sitting there watching that game. I was like, oh, I don't know, man. I don't know if you should do this, but of course they couldn't stop USC. So, I mean, that overtime game. If they'd have played overtime, fellas, I might have gone ten overtime because they neither team could stop each other. So he said, okay, bang, I'm going to do it. Well, TCU, OSU was having a terrible time stopping them in the fourth quarter. And then the first overtime. So guess what? Go for it, win the game, put it in the hands of your guy. And I just, 
I didn't like it at all. Did not like what happened there. And I, I guarantee, I, I, I hope they're kicking themselves. You know, I hope Mike Gundy today is saying, you know, when, I, when he says publicly that we got out coached, so be it. But I hope he's actually saying, next time we get a lead on somebody that's good, we're not going to take the foot off the pedal. We're going to keep rolling. And then you won't have to talk about being out coached, if you ask me. I unfortunately did not get to hear your post-game analysis of the OU game because I, I turned it over to Alabama, Tennessee, and and, and, the, and also OSU. But uh, OU gets the win, 52-42 over Kansas, a much-needed bounce-back win for him, and Dylan Gabriel looked really, really good. Uh, does that tell you how important he is to this offense, to the way he played, or uh, or is it just a backs-against-the-wall mentality for OU and they just come out swinging? First of all, Jared, you know, you can turn the volume down on the football game and let's talk. Okay? Shame on that me. That's exactly what I was doing. Shame on me. I mean, come on, Jared. That's unbelievable. I usually, Tell everybody I'm usually religiously tuning in to you after games, but I just well, I quickly turned the channel. They were finding things wrong, and they finally got a win until one guy called in and said, hey, all you dudes, stop it. We won the game. We lost three in a row, and we won the game. Uh, yeah, Dylan Gabriel is so important. And they might have the worst, uh, you know, backup quarterback situation in the country, which is just shocking, but uh, I think that's what it is. But, yeah, Gabriel was great. I loved what Levy did. Came out fast, threw the ball. People were wide open. You know, that defense for uh, uh, for Kansas is not very good. But, uh, yeah, I love what they did. They came out fast. They got the ball in the hands of the people. You know, Mims finally got what he should get. And, uh, you know, Farouk is playing better. Weiss is playing better. Obviously, Willis is playing really well. Their offense, fellas, their offensive line blocked really well. When Gabriel's there, their offense is good. It's good. It's just that their defense stinks. And, um, you know, the backup quarterback beat up on them at times. You give up 42 points. That's the old days, right? Matter of fact, this whole weekend was the old days, wasn't it? I mean, my gosh, there were points being scored everywhere. Psychotic points. Uh, but, yeah, oh, you got to win. Get a week off now. Try to figure some things out. And, um, you know, at least, you know, the two wins from a bowl, that's the way I would look at it if I'm OU. You know, got to try to got to try to figure out a way to get to a bowl game. If you get to a bowl game, then you get more practice time to figure out this complicated defense. You can get that young freshman kid out there and they can scrimmage and, I would do that this week. I would get in out there just in case because it's pretty daggone obvious that Bevel is not the answer if Gabriel goes down. And, uh, you know, he probably he might go down again. I mean, he might. You never know. So, But Gabriel was impressive. 700 yards, 52 points. Offensive line was really good. Their, uh, their offense is solid as long as Gabriel's in there. Yeah, to your point on the, on the points, first time in college football history – with three AP-ranked matchups where both teams scored over 40. Uh, Alabama, Tennessee, Oklahoma State, TCU, and then that game at your reference with USC and Utah. Let's go to Knoxville. I, I, I asked Jared last week, uh, the similarities, if you look at the month of October back in, 20, uh, back in 2000, with Oklahoma running through what they called Red October with Texas and Kansas State and then uh, the game at home against Nebraska with those ranked teams, Tennessee's doing the same thing right now, and it's just—it's pretty wild that their coach is the guy that quarterbacked that Oklahoma team as they beat a ranked Florida, they beat a ranked LSU. Now they topple uh, for the first time in 16 years Alabama. 
I, I'm shocked at how good Josh Heupel has been at Tennessee. I know I've heard you say that as well uh, because his personality doesn't quite seem as, as bubbly as a lot. But, man, he has the volunteers in a spot where, in my mind, if you just look at who's done what, Tennessee should be number one in the country. Well, I, uh, I'm going to use that. That's really good stuff that you said about Heupel being part of both of them. Yeah, I, that, that was disgusting to me. Alabama was one of my uh, – I, I had to make two locks. Mm -hmm. One of them was Iowa State, which is great, was a great pick. And then this one was not a great pick. Uh, yeah, Tennessee is amazing. They really are. The hooker kid, I mean, heck, he couldn't even play at Virginia Tech. But Josh Heifel's done a great job with him. And he is so much better recruit than I respect him. I don't, I, listen, I don't think they're going to beat Georgia because I just think Georgia's defense is not going to let – them do what Alabama's defense did, but yeah, let me tell you something. Saban, Saban's still going to have a chance, fellas. I mean, don't don't count him out. He loses a game uh, if he runs the table. Now he'll have to beat Georgia. I don't know if he can get in with two losses, but uh, really impressive win by Tennessee and Alabama's defense was clueless. That's the most points they've given up since 1907. <laughs> what I saw, you know that? Yes, 1907. Not even Eshbeck was alive back in 1907. <laughs> a long time ago. It was close. But long man. time ago. Yeah, I think during the game, they flashed up the 21 points in the first quarter was the most anybody's ever scored on a Saban team uh, at Alabama. And, you know, even then, though, on the, on the other side, Bryce Young, my gosh, that dude, it, there's going to be yeah. a huge conversation coming up in, in the spring about Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud and, and maybe Will Anderson in there as well at the top pick. But Bryce Young, we've seen him do this multiple times, saving some games last year in his Heisman Trophy winning season and doing everything he possibly could on Saturday. That guy, it, there's just something a little bit different. He's not the biggest guy in the world, maybe doesn't have the, the strongest arm in the world, but there is something about him uh, in those tight games where he just knows how to make the right play. I agree. I'll tell you what, though, it's Interestingly enough, they got Stroud as the number one quarterback in the draft, and then they've got Levis as number mm -hmm. two. So, you know, I think that what hurts is that his size, he's just not very big, and like you said, he doesn't have a great, great arm, but he's got intangibles, man. He figures out how to win. He is really, really impressive as far as that's concerned. Um, but uh, I'll tell you, Alabama, they uh, boy, they, if they don't get into the Final Four, that'll be a shocking result because that usually happens. And uh, you always think, well, if Georgia and I, – I thought Georgia and Alabama were going to go undefeated this year and then play, and they both would get in no matter what. But, uh, yeah, great win for Tennessee. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. What if Tennessee – think about this. What if Tennessee loses to Georgia and they go 11-1 and one with mm -hmm. a win against Alabama – and then they're not. Um, they don't go to the. You know, they don't go to the SEC championship game. I mean, that's going to be wow. If Georgia beats Alabama, let's say, then Tennessee could very well be in the Final Four, right? Yeah, I was seeing the scenario this weekend of, okay, so Tennessee's beat Bama, then Georgia beats Tennessee, then Bama beats Georgia for the SEC all title. Three. All three have one loss, and it's all to each other. Uh, depending on on how some other things work out, uh, you know, the Pac-12 with USC losing, um, you know, if, if one of Ohio State or Michigan, whoever wins that game, would lose in the Big Ten championship game, I, I, there's a lot of crazy scenarios out there with those three. I know it. And uh, I got to tell you, USC is a nice story and everything, but 
losing to Utah, basically, uh, I don't know. I think the Pac-12 is done. I don't think the Pac-12 is getting the team. And right now, I think, you know, you're going to have to be pretty – you have to be undefeated in the Big 12, too. So, USC is the only team. That's why OSU's just got to be kicking themselves, you know. With OU down, you know, the year that you have to go on the road to Norman, they're not any good. You know what a blessing that is or possibility, you know, to win the game? So, yeah, OSU just have to be kicking themselves. And the uh, the final four is going to be interesting. Really is. There's no uh, there's no group of five teams this year. That's out. And Notre Dame's out. So yeah, I, I mean, what if it was Ohio State and Michigan and Georgia and Tennessee or something like? That? Right. What if they all came for those two conferences? And you can, that's when you know that you can stupid, see that you can see it happen. Stupid Pac-12. They should have gone earlier to try to get the dang on uh, twelve a uh, team playoff, but they had to act all big and bad for no reason, you know. Yeah, come back and bite them, uh, right? Uh, and and for them to be that way, the team, the, the conference that needed it the most to be able to get in there, it, it doesn't make yeah. any sense, and it never has. All right, let's uh, let's shift to the, to the NFL. The the two big games yesterday, one of them lived up to the hype from start to finish. The other one got better at the end. Uh, but the Dallas Cowboys, listen, it was ugly last night. Uh, Cooper Rush and, uh, put them in such a bad spot in the second quarter where they couldn't dig out. But all in all, at the end of the day, if Dak comes back this week, I don't think anyone thought Dallas would be 4-2 and two going into this game with Detroit. They got Detroit and Chicago back-to-back before the bye. 6-2 and two looked like a, a, an impossible scenario after that first game. So, But I think you see Cooper Rush is, it did a great job doing what he does, but when Dak Prescott's healthy, he has to be the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. Yeah, you, listen, you saw last night, fellas, why your Cowboys aren't going to win anything big. You know what it is? You got a horrible coach, and you're undisciplined. Yeah. <clears throat> last night, stupid penalties. I mean, blocks in the back. You got away with one. Pollard. I mean, I can't believe. What were they looking at? How can anybody not look at that and think that was – and then they picked the flag up. But – you know, CeeDee Lamb, what is CeeDee Lamb doing on that block? And let me tell you something. I love CeeDee Lamb, but he better start doing more if he wants to be a number one receiver in this league, guys. He's just not doing very much. Um, and it makes me even more mad because it's on my fantasy team, so that makes me even more mad. Um, but anyway, the Cowboys are having a really nice year. They really are. They're better than I thought and probably a lot of people thought. But you're right. you got to get Dak Prescott back in there. Uh, you know, we saw that he got some pressure. He made some bad throws. He did some nice things to bring him back. Uh, Skip Bayless today was crying like a little girl uh, that that was a roughing the passer call. It was not a roughing the passer call, guys. I mean, my God, he hit him in his chest. And just because uh, he went, you know, kind of pointed to underneath his um, chin strap does not mean that it was a roughing the passer call. Um, but anyway, Dallas is good. Philly's better. And um, I think that uh, – I think that there's going to be uh, – re- it's going to be really tough for the Cowboys. Like I said, McCarthy had one of the worst um, little scenarios I could ever imagine from a coach. They go third and one. It gets the fourth and one. Fourth yeah. and one. And it's obvious that it was a daggone first down. Okay? And this idiot is so engaged in doing what the heck he thought he was going to do all week in practice that if they got a fourth and one, they ran a run to the line of scrimmage really fast and run a play. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if they would have just taken a couple of seconds 
and somebody in the press box says, hey, challenge that, challenge that, it would have been a first down. I mean, that is just absolutely horrible on Clark. He's a terrible coach. The, uh, they're, they're five and they're four and two uh, in spite of him. I mean, I'm sorry. He's a horrible, horrible football coach. And, and that's why you guys aren't going to win anything, fellas. I'm sorry. I hate to tell you that. Your defense is tremendous. You've got good weapons. Um, but you're not going to win because your coach stinks and you're too undisciplined. By the way, Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley's unbelievably undisciplined, too. He's crying like a little baby after the game. But I oh, officially wasn't officiated. Discipline, Lincoln, that's what you do. And isn't it interesting the first time he gets any um, adversity this season, he cries like a little baby. I mean, stop, stop committing penalties. Not the referees, it's you. Yeah, that <clears throat> on the Dallas thing, everyone, how in the world the Dante Fowler on the on the first touchdown drive, the clock Terrible. is the clock's running out. It's clear what they're doing. They're going to the second quarter, but they're trying to see if somebody would be dumb enough to jump offside, and he is. <laughs> I mean, he jumped offside, and they just started marching down to the other end. It's just, it's just I wonder ridiculous. Any, I wonder if anybody. I wonder if anybody <laughs> in that defense when they got the line of scrimmage, they said, "Fellas, they're not running the play. They're just running the clock down. They didn't move. There's no reason to move." I wonder if anybody in that thing going huddle said that. If they did, no, he didn't did hear it. I'm guessing no. It? I mean, it just uh, Jalen Hurts was walking off the field. Then Sirianni looked up at the. I mean, you could see this happen on TV. Looks up at the clock and goes, "Oh no, no, go back out there for that deal." And then Dante Fowler jumps yep. off sides. <laughs> it's just like, oh my gosh! After you, you make a couple good plays, I'm telling you, but the discipline you're of it. Good, dude. Your, your Cowboys are good, but you know what? If you had, if you had, uh, if you had my man Tomlin or Sean Payton. Um, You'd be well. You'd you'd have a chance to win a Super Bowl. I'm telling you, that's how good the Cowboys are. But Jerry Jones, with his wonderful loyalty thing, he had to keep the guy. He could have probably brought in Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. Yes, Sean Payton, fellas, you'd be uh, you'd be a threat to win the Super Bowl this year. I'm telling you, you got to get Dak Prescott. Cooper Rush is a nice story. Got to get Dak Prescott back in there. No doubt. Uh, the the game before Kansas City and Buffalo, man, wow. that was a, a, an unbelievable a game. game. What a game. You know, I picked, I loved Kansas City in that game. Felt really good about it. Josh Allen is amazing, fellas. I mean, he's just amazing. He is a great, great superstar. And in my opinion, you saw the two best quarterbacks in the, in the league. And I think they're, I think they're a little bit above each, everybody else. I really do. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is getting old. Brady is old. Um, Kyler Murray's having a horrific year. Lamar Jackson. Played terribly yesterday. I mean, with turnovers and stuff. I mean, you look around the league, fellas. I love Herbert, but he's too young. Those are the two best quarterbacks, I think, by a decent amount. And that was a great game. I hope we see them play again, fellas. I really do. I, I, I could watch them play every week. That is a great, great football game. Josh Allen, it, it, the, you know, he played great. Like you said, is you know, we got these tiers of quarterback. Is he a top tier guy? Is he is he right up there? Obviously, with Mahomes. Um, he's number one. Yeah, number one. Number one. Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the league, and Mahomes is second. And if someone says that they're opposite, that's fine too. But they're number one and number two, however you want to put them. And then the rest of them, number three, everybody fights for. That's the way I feel about it. I mean, I, Josh Allen, I mean, that dude, look, he might get hurt someday, but he's 
hurdling over people. And I mean, the guy, he's just a football player. That's what he is. He's like an offensive lineman in a quarterback body. He, I, I love the guy. I love everything about him. And uh, the coach is great. The uh, Dorsey is took over beautifully for Dayball. I mean, it's just they're good, man. If they don't, if they don't get to the Super Bowl, I'll be surprised. But that's a great win on the road like that. Really is. Yeah, and how, Dayball, how about that? That's been a giant, huh? Man, that's uh, what, what a, there, there's been some weird things, right? I mean, uh, but Jets, Giants being what a combined nine and three right now, four and two and five and one, uh, just it, it, it's it's nuts. And you know, like Zach Wilson heard at the first, Flacco kind of kept him a little bit afloat. Now he's come back and won four straight uh, since he's been the starter. And obviously, the Giants just keep on finding ways to win. Yeah, it, it's impressive, both of them. I mean, you don't ever think, uh, you don't even worry about the New York teams, but this year, they're both playing really, really well. You know, Daniel Jones is not doing a lot of stupid stuff, and you're right, the Wilson kid's playing well. And then, of course, we got to end the daggone show with uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, I got to tell you, dude, I, I, I love beating the Browns, I love beating the Ravens, I like beating the Bengals, but I love beating Tom Brady. Tom Brady has pummeled the Steelers over the years. He has been a tremendous nemesis. I think the Steelers would probably have two more Super Bowls if it wasn't for uh, if it wasn't for uh, Tom Brady. You know, I, I really believe that. And how, uh, you know, you, you got to really respect what Mitch Trubisky did after losing his job to a rookie, being ready. Getting the chance to come back in, he goes nine for twelve, one hundred and forty-four, and a touchdown. Uh, that's, you know, that that's what's be, being a pro is all about, in my opinion. So kudos uh, to Mr. Bisky uh, for doing oh, I what hear he you, did. Dude. When he, when uh, when when uh, what's his name Pickett went down, and I thought, oh God, he's done. I'm like, oh, we're not going to win this game. He looked really, really good. And you know, the Steelers defense—they didn't have uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, they didn't have uh, 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 J, uh, JT Watt. But somehow, although they've played bad a couple weeks, I mean, now you see how you can give up 38 points or 35 points or whatever it was to uh, uh, to, to Buffalo. But I'm telling you, it was just a uh, it was a it was an impressive performance. I don't know if I want them to win, but uh, hey, they're a game out of first place in a division. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, they're a game out, and if the Bengals barely, I mean, the Bengals got so lucky to win. But yeah, that's uh, telling you that uh, that was that was an impressive win. It really was. It was fun, fun to watch. Pickett, man, Pickett. Uh, telling you guys, Pickett's gonna be really good, really good. And then Pickens, the wide receiver, is going to be. I mean, he's gonna be a star. Have you been watching any of the baseball playoffs? Last thing. Very little. Um, I watched some. You know, it's the underdogs. It's incredible, man. All the big boys are out. What? I saw that all three teams that won over 100 games are all gone, right? Three of them are all gone. And then, of course, the Dodgers won 111. And the Dodgers got, man, they, they get that lead and then they give it up. But it's cool. Bob Melvin, fella. Bob Melvin. Bob Melvin is one of the best managers. Well, he's one of the best now, but I'm telling you, he's one of the best managers of all time. What he did with the Oakland A's and now what he's doing here without that team. He, he, Bob Melvin is a Hall of Famer, and I'm so happy to say that because I love the guy. He's an unbelievable fan. And I've told the story before on my show, but I don't know if I told you guys. 
we played together, and um, he was the dude that, and when you played with him, you just said to yourself, he's going to be a manager. Mm-hmm. You, you know, catchers are all, a lot of catchers are like that. But I, but I used to go, man, Bob Melvin's going to be a manager someday. I didn't know he was going to be a Hall of Fame manager, but he's a great manager. And the Padres got a chance. They got a chance to win the whole thing, fellas. They really do. And that, and without Tatis, you know, so really, uh, that's really impressive. I said on the radio, they got to win both games at home. They had their two aces going, and they did it. So uh, impressive for the Padres. And the Dodgers got to be, God, they got to be crushed. Yeah, 111, uh, 111 wins. The, the uh, Padres really kind of remind me a little bit of what the Braves did last year. The Braves, of course, didn't have Acuna and were able to, to win the World Series. And now the Padres kind of in that same boat uh, without Tatis trying to do it uh, the, the very next year. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And uh, it's going to be uh, going to be good ACL, LACS and the National. It's going to be good stuff. So I really am not watching a lot of this because the game just makes me disgusted when I watch these dudes swing the bat. But I did watch a little bit. Of, obviously, the playoffs get better, better pitching and stuff. I did see some dudes yesterday, like for Cleveland, like hitting the ball the other way and stuff. That was nice. As a matter of fact, the one guy actually hit it in a hole with a guy on first base. I wonder how many people do that in, in, in the uh, in the big leagues nowadays. Not very many. I think that's why we can remember the one time that it happened. <laughs> You're right. All right, man. Hey, we're going to let you go. Uh, we'll see you here in just a little bit uh, for lunch, and it's going to be a fun day. Absolutely. See you guys in a little bit. Don't forget the Julian Jim Traver podcast, too, guys. The one we just put out is really cool about arguing. Um, it's uh, how often do you argue and should you be arguing and what are you arguing about? So uh, it's going to be good coming out today, okay? All right. Sounds great. Uh, see you in a bit. The ultimate, All right. See you guys. See Bye. ya. The ultimate Jim Traver joining us here on a Monday from Big Splash Burgers. Pioneer. A couple people in having some coffee having a little breakfast i enjoyed my breakfast i know you did too oh yeah let's get the gravy next time yeah next time deep fry that puppy that's right get the gravy over the top all right that'll do it hey tomorrow we're gonna we're gonna go long tomorrow i'm gonna warn you right now okay because we're gonna have a guest who we got we're gonna have the head coach of the burns flat dill city eagles brian archer at 10 15 because that's when he gets out of class Okay. So we're going to go long tomorrow. Just warning everybody, we're going long. From a, we'll be at Janice's. We'll, be, uh, we'll have plenty of time to discuss. We've been seeing a bunch of text of, you guys should do two hours. Well, we'll probably get an hour and a half in tomorrow. Well, it sounds like we're getting that. <laughs> waiting, on, waiting on Brian to get out of class. So Perfect. we're going to have him tomorrow at 1015 for all you Burns Flat Deal City Eagles fans. The Eagles are now, what, uh, 7-0 and undefeated. Uh, one week away. If they can win this week, Fairview wins this week, then that sets up that titanic clash in Class A District 1 in Week 9 between the Eagles and the Yellow Jackets. Uh, thanks to the folks here at Big Splash Burger for uh, letting us hang out today. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. This has been the Skinny on Sports on 98.1 FM and the Sports Animal. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is-